side of the microphone today. Here we are. It is episode 40 called On the Road, Never Planning Again. Before I get started, please remember, head over to barbellbuddha.com and pick up a copy of Chris's book. Also, uh, either for yourself or for a friend, a training partner, a relative, purchase Simple Strength. It's 10 simple steps to improve your strength training and it will be worth the $99 that you spent and a beyond, well beyond the $99 that you're going to spend. So head over to barbellbuddha.com and purchase that today. Here we are, you and I, dear listener, it's episode 40 of 101. I cannot believe that we're almost halfway through. Episode 40. Um, it has been such a joy and an honor to sit down uh, what is now going to be 40 times, give or take a few considering the episodes that never made it to the air, but about 40 times to retell and recontextualize the life and work of Chris Moore, affectionately known as the Barbell Buddha. At this point in the journey, Chris is still working full-time in his corporate gig, He's about to publish his second book. His second child is on the way. And as we'll learn more about today, um, Chris's father is sick and not doing well. And the Barbell Shrug podcast is exploding. So needless to say, um, the pressure is peaking for our buddy Chris, for the old Barbell Buddha. Okay. Um, Now, over the next 10 or so episodes... Um, Chris is going to experience some radical shifts in his life. Radical shifts in his life. And these shifts, as well as Chris's willingness to face them head on, they spark a tremendous outpouring of art and wisdom in the form of written pieces, um, some of which that will end up in in a new book that he's about to start, and others in the form of vocal pieces or even uh, visual pieces that uh, CTP or Chris the Producer put together via the Barbell Shrug podcast. But, you know, we're going to look and examine these upcoming episodes very closely in the week to follow because um, we're about to get the... I don't want to say the birth because Chris has already put a lot of the... uh, work into motion, but we're about to experience the true like expansion of what's possible for Chris in his life and in his work. 
And so um, I want to say that up front because, you know, you can start to feel in this episode that Chris is experiencing some some very deep, very moving, very influential shifts that are, oh man, pushing him to his limit. And, and, and uh, you're going to learn more about one of those instances today. Now, uh, in this episode, Chris is on the road. He's in Arizona, he's, he mentions in the episode. He's in Arizona, and um, if I'm not mistaken, the Barbell Shrug Crew was traveling for an event um, with a, another organization called the Rush Club, and they were hired to be the MCs of the Rush Club event. Now, what is Rush Club? It was a functional fitness sport league, uh, similar but pre existing something called the Grid League. Uh, That was a more team-based experience, but the Rush Club was uh, head-to-head face-off competitions, and um, this was going to be a big push for the Rush Club, and so they hired Barbell Shrugged uh, to come out and emcee this event. And while he doesn't explicitly mention that in the episode, um, I uh, I remember this time uh, very specifically, and here's why. I hadn't discovered Barbell Buddha at this point in Chris's journey, okay? So it's 2013. I'm a huge fan of Barbell Buddha, or excuse me, a huge fan of Barbell Shrug, but I haven't yet kicked over to Barbell Buddha. Now, in this episode, like I mentioned, he's, he's there for an event. That event, the Rush Club event, featured a matchup between... Uh, Elizabeth Akinwali, who, if you've been following CrossFit for quite a long time, she she was a uh, a games athlete year after year, one of the older female competitors, but was just a, a classic OG CrossFitter and a very strong, very powerful woman. And that day, she faced off against another very strong, very powerful woman, and her name was Joy Somers. Um, and Joy happened to be a friend of mine. We met in uh, South Korea in 2013. I was coaching at Reebok CrossFit Sentinel One, where she also was, uh, I guess you would call her a member, but she was definitely a uh, Sentinel athlete. She was one of those athletes. She was the baddest chick that I had known at the time, had a you know, 415 plus pound deadlift, um, was very in shape and just a tremendous joy to be around. Um, joy, her name and her attitude, her joy that she brings to life, very, uh, one in the same. It was a very appropriate name for her. And I find it interesting that the timing of this episode, uh, brings a friend of mine into the fold because she actually, reminds me of and embodies many of the things that Chris is going to highlight today, okay? We met, like I mentioned, in, in Korea. She had been teaching English, and now if you were to go and find her on Instagram, I believe you can find her. Oh, Joy, I miss you so much. Her name is Joyous, J-O-Y-O-U-S-0505 at Instagram. And if you were to go on there and see her now, you would see a lot of tropical settings, a lot of what seems to be like a, you know, an Instagram influencer life, uh, one of those like larger than life experiences where she's coaching overseas and she's living in Thailand and all these photos. It just almost seems like an unreachable life for some of us. Okay, but uh, as I'll 
highlight later in this episode, and one thing I want to say up front, is that she didn't just wake up one day and move to Thailand. The way that she's built the life, this amazing life, and a life that of a, you know, I'm so proud to be her friend and to have known her uh, and, and to have played a small part in like her athletic journey. It's so cool to see the way that her life has unfolded. And it's not because she just made some radical shift overnight, okay? It's been a product of a, of a longer trajectory, many decisions made in a row, okay? So I'm, I'm using this opening story about joy, setting some context about joy. Again, she's competing in the Rush Club event that Chris is in Arizona for this episode, and that's why he's on the road. But her life and the things that you can see in her life now are very much tied to the things that we're going to talk about today. So in this episode, Chris is recording everything on his iPhone. So the uh, editing's a little choppy, and the sound quality isn't as as high as we're accustomed to at this point in the journey. But there are two uh, two things two things that Chris wants to share with us, and they're very much uh, worth diving into. And so we're going to do that. The first one is what he labels like a practical or a pragmatic thing that he wants to share about us. And so to give you a little context, um, he is, at this time, he's reading a book about Johnny Ivey. Who is Johnny Ivey? He is the uh, predominant designer behind a lot of the works at Apple. So designed uh, Chris's favorite uh, Apple product, the Bondi Blue iMac desktop computer that he's mentioned more than once. Um, I, I imagine Johnny Ivey was the designer of the iPhone. Um, and so in reading the book about Johnny Ivey, Chris uh, learned about what he calls or is called the T-shaped designer. And so we're going to have Chris um, take it over from here. He's going to be on for about eight minutes, and we're going to learn about the T-shaped designer and what we can take away from that book. And this is the first practical or pragmatic thing that Chris has to share with us today. Okay, Chris, it's your turn, buddy. Take it away. But yeah, that's all fine and good, but there are are really two points um, buried within this. The first one, yeah, was I I was surprised to see just how much of, I I always knew he's essential and and Steve Jobs needed to make these products do what they needed to do and look the way they needed to look. But really, I was surprised to know just how much he drove that. The second cool thing, the thing I think is the pragmatic bit for you and for I, is a cool bit that came about, um, well, I came across this section of the book. Uh, one of his old professors, a professor, what was his name? Alex Milton, Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, I think Scotland. Uh, he described Johnny Ivey, this genius motherfucker, who God knows how much money he's made on iPhone design patents and shit. Lord, have mercy. Uh, he says he's, he's what the British call a T-shaped designer, a very classical T-shaped in his capabilities and interests. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means, obviously, if you think of a T, what is it? It's a little cross beam, <laughs> the top of the T, the, you know, the flat bit that stretches out. Then there's the part that goes down that makes the T tall. <laughs> I hope I don't sound retarded when I'm describing what letters look like, but you, you get it, you get it. The point is in this analogy, this way of thinking, this little thought uh, model, the, t- the bottom of the T goes down deep into a topic, into a skill set, into some idea. In this case, John is a master of gizmos and hand feel and design. That's what he's a master. He's given his life to it. The guy spent untold waking hours um, honing these skills over the past 
30 years. He's surrounded himself with the world's best people. He's always pushed. He has never once sat back and said, you know what? <laughs> Maybe I'm satisfied with my skill level. I'll just coast. I'll just keep this job. I'll just shoot low, and that way I'll never be disappointed. Oh, fuck no, man. The guy does not have a compromising attitude. Everything has to be perfect by his criteria. If he's not proud of it, he's not going to you know, release it. Uh, he's not going to put his name on it. He's not going to let it be an Apple product. That's pretty cool. Uh, so what about the, the depth part? So as this Professor Milton said, he's got a depth in a single area, which is design, and a breadth of understanding and empathy over a large set of design disciplines. So you think about if, if you work for a corporation, you know it's just not your fucking stupid little job that matters, right? Unless you're really important and self-driven and maybe you're an entrepreneur. Of course, then it's you and only you. But a corporation is by definition a, a, a big group of people and they wear marketing hats and design hats like Johnny does and, and engineering hats and, you know, can I make sure this thing doesn't blow up? Does the components actually work within this enclosure? Marketing's got a big say because they have to sell the thing. Uh, legal's got to say because you can't go making something that looks like something else. <laughs> so you can see how if you're going to be really successful, you have to master your thing. And you have to be comfortable and empathetic and understanding and well-versed in other people's uh, areas of focus. But of course, you can't be what they are in their area. So I, I read this immediately. The buzzers went off in my mind that this is a lot like my work, what I'm trying to do and excel at. It's like my training life. It's like what I would recommend other people pursue. And you see this kind of challenge all the time, like in something like CrossFit, from, if we zero in on the fitness perspective, because here you have a bunch of people who are trying to be really good at everything. And it's really fucking hard. You can't zero into something like Johnny zeroes into the design and, and then do it again uh, concurrently somewhere else, because you're already putting all your heart and love into this thing. And you're really mastering one thing perfectly. You don't stay with something forever. Once you get what you want out of it, you stop. Uh, if it's something like Johnny's design work, you know, he is a, um, an, an excellent designer, as good as you're going to get, but he's never going to maybe feel like he's mastered that. He's always got better things to get out. But if we're talking about something like CrossFit, I think it's far easier uh, to give a practical, maybe shorter term example. So if you need to get really strong, uh, you're a bad squatter. How do you get better at squatting? You squat a lot in different ways. You put all your focus on recovering from a squat. You eat, breathe, squats. If you try to also improve let's say, your uh, burpee ability. I don't know, for fuck's sake, why would you do that? But if you do want to get better at burpees at the same time, you are not going to be able to put as much effort into that thing if you try to do it at the same time. Also, you're not going to be able to recover enough because you're doing the burpees to get the most out of squatting. So the more things you add, the less effect you actually get. You are spreading the width of your tee so wide that you don't have a tee anymore. Your shape is bloated, and you can't really move that well. <laughs> You're not recovering from shit. You're not strong. You're not good at burpees. You're not getting what you want out of training, right? That's a very practical lesson. So here's what I recommend for you to do. Keep this in mind. This is like Chris's, um, Johnny Ivy inspired lessons that anybody can apply to be more better and sexy and awesome. <laughs> okay, number one, uh, I think you should have a high standard. So until you get what you want out of a situation, a pursuit, a topic, or a passion, whatever the fuck, man, uh, a bowl of ice cream, until you're happy with it, until you're satisfied, until you're like, you know what? I got everything out of this I wanted. You should keep going. Hold yourself to a higher standard, but you got to make sure it's your standard. You're the one doing the driving, um, and you're the one who's going to do the assessment. And for fuck's sake, if you're doing that and you care, you will not cheat yourself. Why would you ever cheat yourself? Is that clear enough? Right, that's lesson one. Number two, 
if you find that hard, if you can't really put all your heart and soul into something, you're doing the wrong fucking thing. There is something you are motivated enough to do to give this kind of passion to. It's not a unique trait of certain humans. You have it too. You're just probably doing a bunch of boring shit. You're ignoring the thing you're really supposed to be doing. I would recommend you drop whatever it is that you dread and start at least doing some of the time, the time you control. Start doing, creating, training in the way you want to that gives you a fire in your belly. Look, if you're, if you're dead determined to get a certain job or to qualify for a certain event and you hate every second of it and you really want to do a different kind of event or a different kind of job, then fuck's sake, man, do it. <laughs> okay, is that clear enough? Just do it. Uh, number three. You have one ass, you should ride one horse, just to, re, just to nail down that point. Uh, to be T-shaped means you're drilling down into one thing and being familiar and uh, appreciative and understanding and um, associating, associating yourself with people who are drilling into other things. And because you're around those people, you can sort of, you got to understand that your T is not made different than anybody else's. So somebody who's putting all that love and passion into something so deeply that they're understanding everything about it. They understand their issue in the same way as you understand your issue. And if you talk, you're going to discover new things about what you love, not what they love. You're going to see new insights into what can help you. That's why I say you drill down deep into the thing. You master the thing. You bring that to the party. And you surround yourself with other people who have a like-minded attitude. And together, you've got like four or five people at a minimum if, you, if you're that lucky. But it's just one other person. If it's just you talking with people on a fucking internet forum. Whatever it is, if you've got that going, you're going to be a powerhouse, but you got to stay disciplined. Don't let yourself get stretched through things. So for work, drill deep into one thing, build associations for other things. With training, if you want to get really strong, learn from, let's say, powerlifters and weightlifters. See what they're doing. Understand why it is they're doing what they're doing. But do not copy, do not mimic, do not incorporate what they do, plus add it to what you do. All these things are recipes for you know, fucking disaster. What you need to do is focus in on learning from the Okay, here's what they do. I understand why. What From this can I learn that makes me understand my pursuits because maybe I'm a CrossFitter who doesn't need all those things they do or doesn't need the same kind of incentive on certain things. So I can learn and say, you're right, I know this thing and that thing might help me. I'll keep that. I don't need the other things. Just as- yes. Um, there's so much to unpack in there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best. Uh, the first thing that he highlights is the, the idea of being T-shaped. Now, what does that mean? The, the T-shaped is that we drill deep and get our understanding, the depth of our understanding, very deep in one area, but we also support that T by reaching our top portion of the T. Uh, although not, not very deep, we're gonna go out wide. Now, why do we go out wide? It's so we can learn uh, uh, different areas of things that we can familiarize ourselves with, connect with other people over, and by finding other people who have taken that aspect, so to speak, and drilled down deep into it, we're not only going to learn more about what they do, we're going to get a clearer sense uh, and a clearer picture of what it is that we're aspiring to do for ourselves. So that's what it meant to have a T-shaped design, one deep area of expertise, as well as a wide-ranging knowledge of other areas of focus. Now, how can we use that? Uh, that understanding and put it into put it into motion like Chris wants us to do. The first thing that he tells us, the first big tip is to have high standards for yourself. Okay, so I, I mentioned my friend Joy, and I mentioned that she embodies many of the things that Chris is going to highlight today. If there was one thing that I knew about Joy Somers, is that she kept a very high high standard for herself, not just with her training. 
uh, not just with her nutrition, but also the way that she was going to choose to live her life. Um, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is that if you can't give your all, you're doing the wrong thing. And um, I've seen this in my own work that sometimes I, I do things um, almost for the sake of doing them because it's something that I believe that I have to do, and I don't find myself giving that full maximum effort. Uh, and I've I've tried, I've aspired to over and over, like start to whittle away and getting rid of the things that don't fill me up with that. And again, my friend Joy, like watching her live her life, like she gives, that woman gives her all. I've seen her give it in training. I've seen her give it in the way that she chooses to like prioritize what she experiences in life. Um, and again, finding yourself in Thailand uh, is not something that you just do overnight. It's, it's a product of a series of decisions made one after the other after the other. And a lot of those that I've seen and witnessed, at, you know, as a, just a friend and a, a person that gets to casually observe her life through the internet these days is that sh- that woman gives her all, um, whatever it is, she's going to live it full out. And then the other tip that Chris gives us is that um, because you only have one ass, you should not try to ride all the horses. Now, if there's anybody that can relate with trying to ride all the horses but only having one ass, it's me. I, I just I used to pride myself on being able to manage or how do you say uh, multitask? That's the right word. I, I was I, I prided myself on the ability to multitask, but as the years have piled on, it's become clear that it's not really multitasking. It's it's a uh, me just trying to do a bunch of things, you know, poorly or at best mediocre. Um, and so I haven't really allowed myself to, in some, some cases of my life, not allowed myself to really go all the way. And that is changing these days. I have been uh, riding the one horse of recess and making sure that all the work that I do there is um, driving me towards the end that I want. But uh, Joy, she has really gone all in on coaching. And she's a level two CrossFit coach. She works at Tiger Muay Thai in Phuket. And she helps work with some of the best, like, uh, I guess you would say MMA or Thai kickboxing athletes in the world. And she also gets to experience all the travelers, all the young, uh, or I guess maybe if not young, very open-minded, youthful, exuberant people that love to travel and, and, and do so through that area. I've just... Again, like there's just something so admirable about a person that can build the life that they want, and she does embody these three tips. She has a high standard for herself. Um, she gives it her all, and she knows when she's not doing the right thing because she'll realize that she's not giving it her all. And she, you know, rides the one horse. She she uses that uh, very, I imagine, very strong ass of hers, and she rides that coaching horse to look the, to the life that she desires. Okay. There was one other point that Chris circles back to, and it was like the overarching thing that he was really trying to get at in the practical and pragmatic section is that, you know, people like Joy, people like Chris, people like Johnny Ivey, they really cared about what it is that they were doing or are doing, okay? And not only that, but they have the courage to tell others that they care about it. Um, Johnny Ivey did that with his design. Chris did that with his art. Joy does that with her coaching and with the way that she lives her life. Okay, They care about it. They truly believe in what it is they're doing, and they have the courage to tell other people that they cared about it. And so um, that's just, just 
just getting started for today. That's the first main point that we're gonna take away, those three tips on how to live a, a more full practical uh, a practice for living a more deep understanding, get, becoming a T-shaped designer or a T-shaped uh, whatever it is that you're out there doing in your work. Okay. Now we have one more section. Uh, this one's more of a philosophy section, and um, it's the main theme or takeaway of the episode. Again, this episode's called "On the Road, Never Planning Again." And Chris, in this section, says that he is done planning. Okay, why is he done planning? Well, let's find out. Chris, why are you done planning? Uh, so moving on, the, the philosophical thing I wanted to touch on, you know, not this is anything fancy again, it's just a practical thing I've been thinking about. Uh, and I don't, have, I don't have it perfectly fleshed out in my mind because it's, you know, it's wrapped around a bigger idea. But I'm going to start drilling into how to master this art, I think, from here on to the rest of my life. I think I'm done planning, and I say that for one reason. Um, this last week, I was actually in the hospital to visit my father. Uh, anybody who knows me knows my dad's not in the best shape. He's struggling right now with some things, so I won't go into the detail. But, you know, walking into a hospital, those reminders of how fragile life can be, it puts you in a certain state of mind that, well, everything needs to pause, and I need to think. Uh, if you want the, the full <laughs> uh, humorous take of this story, they go on the, the, the blog barbellbuddha.com and look a few days ago I posted uh, no more planning or something you can see all the detail around this story but um, you know I went up to see my dad who's he's been sedated he's not doing so great and it's okay I'm not trying to tell a sad sob story it's just that I'm honest in these podcasts I'm gonna stay honest and this is what's going on so I gotta talk about it uh, he was sedated you know he's they got him on propofol 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 whatever you say we say that I think it was the anesthetic agent that Michael Jackson was using to sleep at night. It's milky. I, at first, I thought it was like a, a nutritional supplement or something. It was hanging off the IV unit. And I was like, fuck, what is that? I go, oh, it's that. <laughs> so it basically induces a big dream state. keeps you still while they have you intubated with a breathing tube or while you are in pain. Well, they don't want you fucking with anything. And my dad surely would fuck with it if he was conscious. So we're sitting there looking at the guy. Uh, and he's kind of out of it, looks really doped uh, out of his mind. It's like a, a very, very heavy fog. And he sort of wakes up all of a sudden. And I'm standing at the edge of bed, like, you know, thinking, oh, shit. Well, there he is. Uh, and the crazy part is from that, from that moment, he just has this look of, like, it was every emotional thing his brain could produce, every impulse, every flood of hormones and cascade of neurotransmitters he had in there just hit at once. He's had this big explosion of emotion. It was anger. It was happiness. It was joy and pain, astonishment, fear. Uh, I was immediately struck by the look of a guy who didn't expect to be back where he was. I don't know. Look, the older I get, the smarter I get, the more I take a, a Socratic view that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about a lot of times. I know what is not true because I've tried so many things. I'm keeping tally of that. But when it comes to nailing down the truth and what is possible and what could be, I just, I don't go there. And I, I recommend no one really chase down impossible questions like that. Uh, you got to remain open-minded. Don't think you have a solution to things. But yeah, I didn't, I saw a guy who, wherever he was, he came back really shocked to see me again and to see my mom again. And I tell you, one thing that really just embedded itself in my chest and my heart and my mind, because this is a powerful moment. I won't. I'll hold it together. I won't tell you how, just how powerful. You get an idea if you read that blog post. But it, it shook me 
I had to, I had to really leave after that. <laughs> I couldn't deal with just how heavy that moment was. I had to step out and get some air. But um, it showed me just how powerful the moment is and got me really thinking about how fucking stupid it is to plan, really on any level. And I know you've heard me time and time again talk about how um, planning is sort of essential, but, you know, plans change, you change, you got to have some flexibility. Man, I'll tell you what, the longer I live, the more I see, the more I train and do and create, the more I kind of get perspective on my history and the things I've done in the past, the more I realize that a, a plan maybe is totally useless. Um, so much experience is just telling me that this, this is more than likely true. I mean, to go out and pick a, a future event, say I want to get that job, I want to graduate from this degree, get that job, then marry that chick and have these kids. Some people get detailed in the planning. <laughs> uh, but oftentimes, when do you end up doing that job for long? Do you hate it all, uh, or do you, do you love it automatically? Sometimes do you hate those jobs. Do you wish, or do you find yourself uh, ever saying, um, oh, that job I wanted to get one time. Uh, thank God I didn't get it. <laughs> but at the time, you wanted it so badly. It was everything you had in mind, like, and you, you didn't get it, and you were so ex- upset. We, we all have been there. But somehow we still do things like we plan overly detailed training programs. We you know, again, not to say you don't need a coach. Let me, don't get me twisted. I'm saying what's foolish is to put a point out in time, a year, six months, whatever, and to try to nail everything that happens between now and then down because you just don't know. The way your body responds, your circumstances, the world around you is spinning so wildly. It's really, it, it's just, the only thing you get out of planning is some sense that you are prepared, and maybe you are, but so much remains uh, unchecked and unknown that... That, that stuff breaking your way and accommodating you. Uh, like if you don't get hit with a huge inordinate amount of work between now and then, you might get there. If you, if you do get hit with a fucked up work situation or something, or you have an extra kid, or somebody gets sick in your family, you're not. So all the planning doesn't matter. But that's just an example of how the, the goal, the thing you're after is so fragile. And if you added the fragility of the fact that you really don't know what you want, in six months and a year, it could, you, you, you could be so radically different that this thing doesn't make any sense anymore. So what should you do in, in, you know, on the flip side of this? Well, well, how do you view coaching yourself and others and, and having yourself coached? Uh, a good coach is not somebody who writes down the plan for you or works for you to develop a plan and then magically shepherds you to that using some cookbook where they, they see your variables and they master it. No, a coach is a person who has a relationship with you, who is external to your everyday life, who who can see things objectively, who knows you, he goes, he can be, you can confide in him, he wants to support you, or he or she, there's a lot of great female coaches, obviously, I'm just saying he, because, I don't know, it's some sort of program thing in my head, I apologize, but these coaches, if you develop a relationship with them, and you let them stay observant of you, they can give you the feedback that you can't give yourself, they can say, you know what, you look a little beat up and tired, maybe we should program some rest, oh, you know what we should do now, we should really amp this up. And I know you want to leave it because you're tired of doing it, but you don't have the result you need yet. Let's keep squatting. Let's keep snatching. Let's keep doing this, this, and that. Or they say, um, I know you hate doing the airdyne or the rower, but you're out of shape and fat, so you really should reconsider that. <laughs> you know, a coach is there to have a relationship with you, not to magically write shit down and you follow it. If you believe that, it helps you fine. But it's about the relationship, and it's about each moment as it passes. Uh, if you want to think about a really trippy idea, think about quantum mechanics. Now, I don't really understand half of it, maybe only a fraction of it. Let me be honest. <laughs> I don't, don't pressure me on it. And if I get it wrong, don't criticize me. But one thing I know is basically true is that when you observe something, you probably heard this, when you observe something, you change it. 
uh, until you do the, res- the experiment, the test, the action, you can't really know what the result, the outcome will be because things change based on how you behave. I mean, you can get pretty trippy in those theories. But the bottom line is this, that thing out in the future doesn't exist just like your past doesn't exist. I mean, this kind of touches a little bit on that guru I had, I showed on the show last week, or I played his bit on the show last week. He said, if you're scared, it's because you're thinking about shit that happened in the past, which is no longer real. It's just a fragment of a couple of molecules bouncing around in your gray matter. That's <laughs> what a memory is. And then there's a future which hasn't happened yet. So if you're, if you're hurt by the past and you are confused and fearful of the future, then you are hurt and scared and, and, and fearful of things that don't exist, that makes you maybe a little bit crazy. And if you phrase it like that, maybe it's enough to take a step back and say to yourself, maybe I need to let go of that emotion. It's not helpful. But in the same way, the fear and all that's not real. Well, the, the struggle to reach a goal is not real either. Is that not true by sort of, I mean, have a conversation. I'm not saying it's absolutely true, man. I'm just, I'm just fucking doing a podcast. <laughs> Relax. What I think to be true is that you can just quit all the planning. Quit all the fussing and the fiddling and, the, and all that shit. And just think of what is the next thing I should do. Now, I've, I've been hitting on this a lot. Let me try to develop the thought clearer. Um, you don't focus in on getting really, really super strong. Like, I want to go from this to this. That's fine and dandy, but it's not what's going to give you the results. What's going to give you the results is acting daily, meal to meal, sleep session to sleep session, training session to training session, recovery mobility thing to recovery mobility thing if you do each one in a way that supports what you're trying to get so if you're thinking strength along the way if you're behaving like a strong person if you're eating strong people things if you're talking with strong people if you're basically doing each little event uh, as a strong person then that's what reality becomes so pretty soon if you keep that current positive real thing up the manifestation of all these little acts equals you being a strong person i hope that makes sense i hope it's not too like you know uh, stone or trippy talk or anything. It just happens to be true. The same thing goes for work. It's how you write a book. I mean, you say, okay, I want to write a book, but you don't pick up the fucking keyboard and go, okay, 50,000 words, let's go. Oh, I got 10 more down. I got 20 more down. You don't do that because it, it deflates your activity. It takes your eye off what matters, which is just getting lost in it. If you get lost in it and you do what an author does, which is approach the keyboard every day, set a goal of typing something, for a certain amount of time, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be long, it could be short, but going to it and behaving like a writer behaves and making it a priority and suffering for it and really going for it. Before you know it, you've written a book. It might not be great, but you've written a book and you've become a writer. There are many sections that have stood out to me um, in this process, but this one particularly was impactful on me this week. And the reason is because um, I I have a lot of things coming up for my life uh, professionally. And, and, and in a good way, I've hit like a pop, so to speak. And whenever I get pops of work or I get uh, pops of inspiration, I launch into like the ultimate planning project experience. I get out my whiteboard, I get out my color pens uh, or my markers, and I engage in a long, long process of planning. And I can tell you that for as many times as I've done that in my life, planned six months out, 12 months out, five years out, 10 years out, very rarely has everything happened according to the plan. So I get what Chris is saying here. 
he's saying that, you know, the reason that he's done planning, he's talking about himself many times. He said, oh, well, when, you know, you know, things come up in life that you don't expect, like another child or a family member being sick. Like these are things that Chris is talking about from the first person perspective. So he is planning or has been planning something. We can assume that to be true. Okay. And he's marching towards those goals. And in marching towards those goals, things are coming up like another child, like a parent being sick, like training, not responding to training the way that he desired or other, you know, that we might desire for ourselves. Okay. So then it's because of these experiences that he has this, you know, this breaking point. It's like, I'm, I'm done planning. And instead of it saying that he's done planning, you know, there, that could, you could always argue against like, oh, you got a plan, you know, look at the NFL that like, let's just take a simple Chris play football, right? Like you wouldn't just spend the entire week not planning for the opponent that you have coming up. You're not going to not watch film. You're not going to ignore the other person's playbook. Like you're going to spend some time prepping, planning, and being prepared for the task at hand. But just like a game, uh, a football game of any kind, you know, there's all these variables that we can't control. So the best that we can do possibly is hedge our risk that when things don't go exactly according to plan that we'll be able to adjust, Okay. But all that does, if you if you go that far with the well, you got a plan, you still get to where Chris is trying to take us. And that, yes, planning has its place, but really the only thing that we're ever in control of is the next best thing that we can do. The next step that we can take. He says meal to meal, training session to training session, decision to decision. That's where no matter the amount of planning that we put in, if we're not bringing our attention and our awareness to those, to that realization that life doesn't happen on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard, but instead it happens moment to moment, meal to meal, th- training session to training session, decision by decision, then if we can, if, if when we get there, we start to understand where planning has its place and where it doesn't. Um, we start to understand, you know, that. I can't get lost in a pursuit if I'm trying to control every aspect of the experience because then all of my energy is spent on trying to control these things instead of uh, using that energy to allow myself to go head first into whatever it is that I'm working on. Um, It's tough sometimes to get lost in the pursuit because like we've mentioned before, fear can get in the way. It clouds the mind. It clouds the... Uh, the body in a way that we we experience discomfort and we can want to run away from that, okay? But the philosophy here is, remember, like planning isn't what gets us what we want. It's the doing that gets us what we want. It's the choice to take the next best step that gets us what we want. So back to my friend Joy. I don't imagine, at least in my friendship with her, and that was quite a long time ago, going on six years ago now that we first got to know each other, I don't remember her ever telling me that she intended to end up in Thailand coaching. I don't remember that at all. And, you know, maybe if you hit her up on Instagram, she can tell you a little bit more about her story. But the joy that I came to know, she was focused on the next best thing that she could do, which was teaching, coaching, and working on herself. And then opportunities open up. She moves out, you know, she moves on to the next best thing that she can do. But she's focused 
on getting lost in the pursuit of finding herself and getting lost in the pursuit of doing things that really bring her joy. Joy seeking joy. How about that? And what is unfolded is her living, at least on paper and at least on Instagram, a very admirable, very wise and aware and fulfilling existence. We can all do these things. We just may not get there when we want to because that there we go again. We're trying to plan on it. I want to be there in a year and if I haven't, then I'm not good enough. I want to be this place in six months and if I'm not there, I'm not good enough. So I'm never going to be satisfied. And that, mm, that's a slippery slope. So what can we do instead? Well, let's take the practical and pragmatic thing earlier. Let's start with the idea that we ourselves are gonna become a T-shaped individual. We're gonna find the thing that we cannot stop doing because we love it, we're, we're filled up by it. And Chris said, you'll know, it's a feeling. You'll know if you found that thing, right? Because if you can't give your all, and that was the second tip, if you can't give your all, you're doing the wrong thing. We're gonna have high standards for ourselves. We're going to remember that we only have one ass, so we're not going to try to ride all the horses. And and we're going to set our sights, we're going to set our trajectory in the form of a plan, a very loose plan. But what we're really going to do is we're going to focus on the next best thing that we can do. We're going to make the decision meal to meal, training session to training session, moment to moment. And we're going to aspire to get lost in the pursuit. I'm going to make that commitment. Um, I've seen it work for other people. My friend Joy is just one of countless examples. And Chris is another. So if you're looking for it, keep looking. But don't get paralyzed and wait for it. Take action. Find the next best thing you can do. And the result, now that, will take care of itself. I'm going to kick it back to Chris to close the show. I just want to say before I close out, again, this experience of sitting down with you week after week, retelling, recontextualizing the life and work of our buddy Chris Moore, the Barbell Buddha, is such an honor. And um, I'm grateful because I'm always learning in this process. I'm grateful for Chris as a mentor. I'm grateful for Chris as an artist. And um, I'm grateful for you, the person that's sitting down and taking some time to listen to me and listen to Chris today. All right. That's it for episode 40. Chris is going to close the show. He's got about three minutes left. So stick around and I'll catch up with you next week. Okay, Chris, man, take it away. So that that's, that's all I really got, man. These, these two... Great lessons, one pragmatic, be T-shaped, drill down and spread out and build associations. Then forget the plan. Take this as a challenge. For just like maybe the next like three months, pick one thing you really need to get done, but forget the plan. Think about the behaviors and the things, the daily habits, the, the people you could surround yourself with, the activities you can do. Think of the things that if you master them one at a time, you will get what you want. So let's do this as an experiment. I'm going to try it with my own training and stuff. I want you to do it on something. It could be something really small. It could be like, you know, working on your fucking India ink scraping skills. You ever do that in art class where you, you, you draw a color 
like a color pattern, and then you paint it with Indian ink, and you scratch off another pattern. It could be anything, man. It could be your training, some kind of creative thing, uh, bedazzling your vagina. <laughs> Sorry, that's my ADD making me say that. Whatever, just pick a skill, pick a task, and don't think about how good you want to be or what you want out of it, because that's a fucking poisonous thing. That's a selfish, mean thing to think about anyway. Instead of thinking about what you can give to it and the daily habits you can build and the fun you can have doing it, and just don't pay attention to anything else. Be progressive in your thoughts. Try to improve. When you need a break from it, take a little bit of a break. When you have an opportunity to return to it, return to it. That's all you need to worry about. Be progressive. Ebb and flow. Go for it when you can. Back off when you need to. And see how far you get. Just don't pay attention for three months and just see what the behaviors themselves will provide you. Then if you get there, ask yourself, what else should I apply this method to? Fuck, do it with your relationships. Do it with your job. Do it with everything. So, um... I don't know how long I've gone because i got no time reader, but folks, I'm going to wrap it up. That's the two things I want to talk about. Before I leave you, uh, I'm not going to try to put, maybe I will try to put some sort of sound exit music in here. I don't know. Not, I don't know if I'm so clever. Before I leave you, do me a favor. Go to, uh, well, go to wherever you listen to this podcast. Go to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is. Please leave, if you enjoy this show, a five-star comment. Let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. I read them. I try not to because sometimes people give you negative comments and that only bums you out. But I try to really read and appreciate all the good shit. So if this is helping you, man, my rambling, uh, I would love to hear about it. You can also send me a message. Go on to barbabooter.com, the blog. Go to contact Chris or send a message wherever it is. Send me a message. I like to read what you guys have to say. I usually always respond because I like to respond and get to know you better and see what your problems are. That helps me understand you better. Hey, hey, it's a relationship. And uh, what else? I don't know, man. Make sure you're also checking out the Barbell Shrug podcast if you don't already. We've got some cool stuff we just shot. You'll be seeing that soon. Oh, yes. And the last thing I will trouble your mind with tonight is uh, make sure you stay tuned. I'm going to try to finish my preparation to get Way Past Strong published and available to you. Uh, I'm going to have a short run of books, a couple hundred initially, because uh, it's just a pain in the ass to try to do them in big batches. It's really expensive and all that. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned to that, and I'll get you news on that launch date soon, probably December 1st or so. So without any further ado, see you guys next time. Peace out!